Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly, there is nothing that can stop you. It costs much, but it's worth the cost. It costs everything. This is the Fire Podcast. Yeah. I'm going to take five, what I would normally do in five sessions and cram it into this time. Um, so I'm going to try to give you an introductory. I'm, so I'm the senior leader of Fire Movement as well as uh, Peter Lewis who's here. We, we co-lead together. And uh, one other girl, he's not visible. Back there, but, like, do, do you see somebody back there? Um, he, he's waiting for, there's another girl who's coming that's part of our church. Um, I've been in ministry since 2010, and without giving you the, the longer version, um, had an encounter with God uh, and didn't know any Christians, went to Ohio State, um, and ended up seeing God move uh, there. Um, I, healing has been a part of my journey since the beginning. I'm going to stand if that's okay. Um, it's been a part of my journey since the beginning. Uh, I was born with a submucous submucous cleft palate, which means the back of the roof of my mouth was open and, and not whole. So that's how I was born. Um, my parents, my, you know, as far as I know, my mom was a new believer. My dad was a former Baptist. Uh, any Baptists in here? Former Baptist? Current Baptist? Um, I wish more charismatics had Baptist background. They would know the Bible better. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I'm saying that I'm not Baptist, but, um, <laughs> They, they weren't the big man on stage. They weren't the televangelist. They weren't any of that. And they prayed for me. And a week later, medically documented, roof of my mouth was there, appeared. Um, medically documented, Mount Carmel East Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and so, like, I've never had the, uh, the benefit of getting to be an atheist. I, I, you know, like, I always had to know there's something. And, uh, and then I grew up in a church where there were miracles and seeing people that I knew getting healed. Um, and crazy things. Not just like, oh, my back was hurting, now it's not. Or I had a headache, now I don't. Those, that's awesome too. But like, stuff like, there was a girl who was born without a brainstem who, the, who they did medical studies on because she got healed, but the brainstem didn't appear, but she's still fully functional. Wow. So I'm, <laughs> God is better than we think. Um, and he doesn't fit inside our boxes because I'd think, oh, if you're going to heal her, give her a brainstem. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it without a brainstem. I'm going to blow everyone's minds. And so that stuff's actually more common than you think in healing. There's people without eyeballs who are seeing through glass eyes, medically documented, all kinds of stuff. Um, and so I, that's the world I grew up in was seeing this stuff. And, uh, and then I, I really fell away from God for a long time. And then um, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit... Um, I, uh, it changed everything for me and I was just so hungry for all of this. And it was the first time that I realized that I didn't have to be the person on stage to be able to do this stuff. So I'm, I, what I'm, what I'm going to give to you today, I want you to receive as I'm not this special person and almost everything I'm going to share with you. I did outside of a church setting, um, have experienced outside of church setting. And so some of, some of them are in, in healing rooms or things like that. I'm going to share a lot of stories, but, um, the majority have happened out in public, just in day-to-day life, and uh, I'm 
I relate to Paul, you know, when he talks, I, I feel like the least of these in many ways. Um, I, I see the things that God does through my life and I look at him like, I wouldn't do this through my life. I don't, I don't know what he's thinking. Um, and so that should be encouraging to you guys. You guys can do this. You don't have to be special. In fact, the disciples did this without even being believers. He gave his, his authority to them. They went and healed the sick. Um, so it really has little to nothing to do with your performance, your abilities, your whatever. So I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I was like, there's got to be somebody who believes this. I mean, a guy named Ricardo, um, Puerto Rican guy who was out in the street praying for people. And, and I was just like, and I had been arguing with other Christians and stuff that I'd meet who were like, didn't believe healing was for today and all this. I'm like, no, it is. But I don't know how to see it happen. I saw it back then, you know, and like was having those arguments. And we started going out on the street and seeing God move. And uh, it changed my life. And that led to... Um, to so many things. We, we saw humans at Ohio State. There's, um, my boldness waxed and waned, um, but there were you know, times being as bold as standing up and, and in the, at the student union and yelling, anybody who wants healing, line up right now, God will heal you. And I didn't know, like a bunch of athletes had just gotten, um, like of, of all the sports at Ohio State, they had a full athlete meeting. And they had just gotten out of their meeting. And so they lined up and I got to pray for athletes and they were all getting healed. Um, and so also I'll say this, people, we think our, our perception, what people think is normally worse than what people actually think, um, and how they'll respond. And a lot of times you pray for people and even if nothing happens, they're like, okay, well, thank you. That was so kind of you, you know, and they feel more awkward for you than, (laughs) you know, um, so, um, I need to hurry. You know, from there, I, within a few months of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'll tell this story, um, I ended up in a car accident, saw a lady raised from the dead, also medically verified. Um, and then, you know, also at a mall in Washington, Pennsylvania, if anybody knows where that is, outside of Pittsburgh, um, my friend and I prayed for a guy in a wheelchair, and I'll probably share that story, got out of a wheelchair, hadn't walked since he was seven, he was in his late 20s. Um, this isn't on a stage, this is not a meeting, the music wasn't playing and perfect. Um, we just believed. We actually believed. And I'll say, even at that point, I didn't even know the Bible. <laughs> I just believed in God. And, um, and so I'm here to tell you that it's healing still for today, and it's for, for you. And we need you to get unlocked in this. Um, this is, I, I had this, this vision on the way here, and we'll get into all of it, but I saw, I almost saw like the Father giving out measures of faith. You know, the Bible talks about we've all been given a measure of faith. And the time to learn how to use your measure of faith is not when you're desperate for a miracle. It, it's actually really important. Like, life hits, you, hits us hard. And whether you or somebody else, um, loving Jesus doesn't protect you from the hardship in life. Um, but we're overcomers. So we overcome in those places. But if you haven't learned how to overcome, if you haven't learned how to use that measure of faith you've been given, uh, that is a really desperate situation to have to be in. And so you want to be, um, you want to get this now. You want to start to go after this with your own, with your own body and stuff. And we'll talk about this a little bit, um, healing in your, in your own body. We're focusing on physical healing, but this can apply to any mental healing, emotionally, all that. Um, but also, you know, you want to have it so that you're the person that somebody calls. You know, you're the person that somebody calls when they need it. That they're like, I need, I need a miracle right now. I know who to call. And they call you. Um, but it's got to be rooted in this place of deeply knowing him. Um, you've got to know him. You've got to build a relationship with Holy Spirit. Intimacy is, is the key to this whole thing. Intimacy isn't going to make you necessarily see more healing. Um, that would actually be manipulation. If you're going to build intimacy with him to see healing. Um, intimacy is going to keep you grounded. There's that, that verse that's everyone says of the scariest verse in the Bible. Many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we heal? Didn't we cast out demons? And he says, depart from me for I never knew you. New is intimacy. I never, I never had intimacy with you. And uh, I don't want to see anyone fall into that. So the goal for this teaching um, I'm not here to give you a complete doctrinal overview. We could, we could dig into the theology of this for a year uh, and really teach on healing. 
Um, Catherine Kuhlman, uh, if you don't know her, prolific healing ministry. And actually there's, I believe, three total books of medical doctors verifying. She would let doctors and scientists sit on the front row and they would verify the miracles. There's three books of medical verification of the miracles in her ministry. Um, although she says she's never healed anyone. She always just says, you know, Holy Spirit, she just invites him and he does it. Um, but she says, sometimes I think we get so involved with doctrine that we lose sight of the Lord Jesus Christ entirely. And I personally experienced this. I, I experienced the miracles I just referenced to you and then went through a healing training. And then I fought to see another miracle for a long time. And I had to undo the fact that now I mentally knew exactly how to pray for someone. I knew the right words. I knew the formula. And formula is actually witchcraft. Witches use formulas. In Christianity, we have relationship. And we have relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, there's Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't do the same thing every time. Every time he heals, it's different. And he's moving with the Holy Spirit, doing what he's seeing the Father's doing. Um, so the goal for today... The goal for today is for each of you to walk out with your faith stirred and ready to go walk in healing in intimacy with Holy Spirit. Um, I'll say this too. Please, if you have questions or anything, just write them down. We will, um, normally I would do like throughout, just ask if you have questions, but there's so much. So at the end, we'll take, we'll do question time. Um, And I'll even stay after if anybody has questions and stuff, I'll answer as long as I need to. We can go stay at a coffee shop if we need to. Um, So we're going to start with God still heals today. So let's start with defining sickness. Um, so we're, like I said, we're focused primarily on, on physical healing, but this relates to anything in the human experience. Sickness is death incomplete. Or in other words, God judged sin and the judgment he pronounced was death. So he's not still up there releasing judgment. He already judged it. And now when we sin, we're actually pulling death upon ourselves. Most sickness and, and ailments and things like that have to do with living in a fallen world um, and or personal sin, things that, that we're doing, whatever. Um, people don't, don't like that. That's, not, that's also not condemning. But that's part of the reason that Jesus, you know, that he heals and says, uh, go on and sin no more. Um, but there's, there's a direct correlation between the sin-filled world we're in, the judgment of, of death, and how that's impacting people's lives. Um, and so uh, sickness is, is basically slow death. It's, it's your body being eaten away at. Um, healing is to the mind and body what salvation is to the spirit. And so healing is actually as easy as salvation. It, it's easy. It, salvation's easy. Giving your life to Jesus is, is, is actually easy. Um, he doesn't give you a bunch of hoops to jump through. He doesn't say, well, you're not ready yet. You know, or I'm trying to teach you a lesson first or, uh, you know, he, he's not like that. He accepts you. He welcomes you. Um, and then he, he restores you. Well, healing is the same thing. It's that it, healing is coming to Jesus and he heals your mind or your body. I've heard it said this way. Healing is the dinner bell of salvation. So healing is what tells people to come and eat, to come and sit at the table. It's not the only way, but it's one of it's one of them. Healing is God displaying in a person what he wants to do in their whole life. So when somebody's body gets healed, especially an unbeliever, one of the things I say to them is I say, what he just did in your back, what he just did in your legs, what he just did in your mind, he now wants to do in your entire life. Will you, will you give your life to him? Healing is part of the gospel, which we'll get into. Healing is a physical manifestation of the love of God. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. It's his nature. Okay, I'm going to keep moving forward. Jesus is our healing school. So to understand healing, we have to look at Jesus. We don't look at, I know people get caught up in all these, they look at Old Testament scriptures and all that stuff. Jesus perfectly represented the heart of the Father. And so we look at him. Jesus is our theology. What did Jesus do? How did he heal? Um, and that's where we learn from. He showed, us, he showed us what's possible. So this is kind of interesting. This is probably the most potentially controversial thing I'll say. Um, 
but uh, not this first part. This is scripture. Jesus said, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in a like manner. So while remaining fully God, he never, he didn't give up his divinity. He was fully God and fully man. He chose to live in the limitations of a man dependent on the father. Does that make sense? He chose to live in the limitations of humanity, but following the father and being empowered by Holy Spirit. In other words, he was modeling a lifestyle of how we're supposed to walk as his disciples. So I encourage you, uh, and we'll get into some scripture here, but I encourage you to read through the Gospels and ask, ask Holy Spirit to teach you more. Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the revealer of Jesus. That he's the one who reveals Jesus. So ask him, when you read scripture, ask him to teach you more about Jesus and how to heal. Um, and, how, and how Jesus healed. Pay attention to how he addresses each issue. How he speaks to the issue instead of praying for the person. You'll never see Jesus pray for a person. The, you might see something like Lazarus where he prays out loud to the Father, thank you that you hear my prayers, and then he, but then he tells Lazarus, come. So when, we, when we, we say pray for the sick, we're not actually praying for the sick. We're standing in the authority of heaven and telling the sickness to leave. We're telling the, that thing to bow. We're bringing it into alignment with what Jesus did. So we're called to follow his example. So in John 14, 12 through 17, he said, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do. So what were the works he was doing? He was healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons. Whoever believes in me will also do the works I do. And, and this is the crazy verse, and greater works than these he will do. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, the Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. So this is directly linked to the other helper. How are we going to do these greater works? We keep his commandments, and he's giving us a helper, Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. Uh, Matthew 10, 5 through 8, these 12 disciples sent out and commanded them, saying, so you look at what are, what are Jesus' commandments? What commandments did he give them? He said, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Where, where are his commandments? Matthew 10, 5 through 8, he sent out the 12 disciples. Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a, a city of uh, do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, pre- preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is a hand. Verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. So are you getting the picture? This is, this is actually, Jesus modeled it, and he said, he said, I'm the light of the world. Then he goes, now you're the light of the world. You know, and so this is his outside of the crucifixion that we're not called to have the crucifixion, but we're called to take, take up our cross. We're called to a crucifixion. Um, but outside the redemptive work of humanity, he was modeling for us. This is what it's going to look like for you to walk with me. This is what it's going to look like for you to be my disciples. Romans fourteen seventeen, it says, uh, well, in verse 7 above, in Matthew 10, verse 7, it says the kingdom of he- heaven is a hand. Well, what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven, Romans fourteen seventeen says, uh, the, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom is three parts. It's righteousness. You know, we've been made righteous with God. We're in right alignment with the Father. Peace, peace that passes our circumstances, super, uh, passes human understanding, and joy. Um, and uh, joy is, is happiness is actually a, a form of the prophetic. You know, you were the joy set before him. So it's actually being able to see, see beyond your circumstances and pull from a happiness of another age. That's what joy is. So it has nothing to do with your circumstances. It's being able to see beyond and, and grab a hold of something else. So the kingdom carries those three. It's made up of those three pieces. Mark sixteen fifteen through 18, it says... Uh, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. 
verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. So if you believe in him, this is what's going to follow you. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So one of the signs that follows a believer, a true believer, is that they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So I want to go into kind of a different section here. And that's just talking about Jesus. So we just talked about how Jesus modeled it and basically said, tag, you're it. Go do this. Here's my Holy Spirit. Follow what I've told you. Go kill sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Raise the dead. Um, but let's talk about the atonement. This is, the, this is kind of the other, other part of the coin of, of healing is and the atonement is the atoning work is what Jesus did in the process of the crucifixion and in the crucifixion. Um, so Jesus paid for healing and in Hebrews four fourteen it says he knows our weakness he knows our weaknesses because he experienced it. He experienced everything that we could experience. Um, every so every bit of this this message I normally this is one of my favorite messages to preach and actually go after healing but preach this message and I'm not gonna I can't do the whole thing today um, but I'm just getting into the scripture of it um, but I think most people feel like God is so often distant even if intellectually they don't agree with that but in the moment in what they're dealing with they're like where is he where you know I'm I'm sure a lot of you guys have felt that like where is he can and it doesn't feel like he can relate to us but Hebrews makes it very clear he could, he's experienced it. And, um, and it's really important to understand every bit of suffering and pain in this life, every bit of temptation, hurt, Jesus can relate to us. And not only can he relate to us, he can walk us through and heal it. Um, so it's not just like, oh, I get it. Like, I've been there. You know, we've all had friends like that. They're like, oh, I've been there. Um, you know, they don't, they don't really, they're not sympathetic in where you're at. He's actually sympathetic and he will walk you through it. Um, he experienced it all so he could relate to our weakness and so you could be restored. Colossians 2, 6 through 15 says, our, uh, our debt to sin and subsequent judgment of death was nailed to the cross. Galatians 2, 20 through 21 says we are co-crucified with Christ. So that means the same crucifixion he went through, he did with us, co-crucified with him. That's what part of what baptism uh, is a prophetic, symbolic act of death, burial, and resurrection. Um, we are co-crucified with Christ. So we're going to go through verse by verse in Isaiah 53, 1 through 12, real quick. Um, and this is, this is like the last bit of teaching, um, Bible teaching I'm going to do with you guys, and then we're going to get into some stories and stuff. I'm reading an ESV. You don't actually have to um, read along if you don't want to, but you totally can. So I'm going to read through it first. Who has believed what he, what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is, the, this is a prophecy of Jesus. I should probably preference with that. Uh, for he grew up with him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of, or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace." And his wounds were healed. Uh, and with his wounds we are healed. Um, that's the, by his stripes we are healed. In other translations. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they, gave, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the dead 
the rich man in his death, although he had no, done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. And yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, was put, uh, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The, the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By knowledge uh, shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear the iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So we're actually, we're going to go verse by verse um, for most of the verses, not all of them. And I want you to think about this. Um, I'm going to show you as we do this. You know, the, the Bible wasn't originally in English. <laughs> so I'm going to show you in the Hebrew that he actually paid for it all. He actually covered everything. Um, and so with each thing, just think about if I name something that you're experiencing in your life currently, think about the fact that Jesus not only can relate with you, but he actually already paid for you to be free from that thing. And so when it says that you were the joy set before him, he not only was, was, he not only was seeing your salvation and the fact that you'd be reconnected to the Father, he was seeing your face knowing I'm going through this because, so that you don't have to live with depression. I'm going through this so you don't have to live uh, or, or die of cancer. I, I'm going through this, you know. So whatever you're going through, as I name those things, recognize like, that that's part of this. Um, verse 4, when it says griefs, it says, surely he has borne our griefs. So he's taken our, our griefs upon him. The word griefs actually means sickness physically or spiritually. So Jesus, he, he took our sickness, in both physical and spiritual, upon himself. And you, you guys can look this up. You can go online and do the same research um, and, and confirm this. He has carried our sorrows. Sorrows literally means mental or physical pain. So he took, he took our sickness upon himself. He took our mental and physical pain upon himself. Yet we esteemed him stricken. Stricken is like leprosy. Um, the, way that, the way that Jews understand this is actually really beautiful. He became, you know, like leprosy was this being unclean. It was an uncleanliness. It actually represents sin. But it was the uncleanliness that uh, is a perfect representation, actually, of what sin does. It deteriorates the body. And your body parts will fall off and all that. And you have to be separated. You can't be with other people. Um, and the way that Jews understand it is he became the leper on our behalf. He became the leper of lepers. So stricken is like leprosy. And then smit, smitten uh, is defeated. And he became defeated by God. So God made him leprosy and then defeated it. Verse 5. Uh, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Uh, the word there, pierced, is like wounded. It, uh, it means to be made impure, defiled, or sexually broken. So he was made impure, defiled, and sexually broken because of our transgressions, because of our rebellion. So because of our keeping with that, like our sexual sin, our, all of that is rebellion against the, the natural the natural order that God intended. And so in that place, he took that upon himself. So if you've experienced sexual brokenness, whether something's been done to you or something you've done that you regret, um, he took that upon himself. So you don't have to live with that. And I wanted to define sin real quick. Like sin is anything that harms our relationship with God. So I know it's really easy to look at sins as like the really blatant things. And we're like, oh yeah, well I don't do those. Um, Anything that harms the relationship. His, his primary motivation is relationship with you. He created you because he wanted somebody to share his love with. That was like the, the intention of your creation is relationship with him. And so sin is anything that's harming or getting in the way of that relationship.
That could be Netflix. It could be, you know, and, and once again, there's no condemnation. And there's not condemnation for sinning, but you don't want to stay there. So if you find yourself and you're like, wow, God was pulling on my heart. I really felt like I needed to go spend time with him and I didn't. Then just go spend time with him. You know, repent. God, I'm sorry I missed that. Here I am. Don't beat yourself up. Don't go into shame. Okay. Um, he was crushed. So verse 5. Um, crushed for our iniquities. Crushed is broken. So he's he made broken. Anybody ever felt broken? Uh, he's broken for our iniquities. Our guilt and perversion is what iniquities is. Guilt and perversion. And you, you see the injustice in this too. This perfect man. We, we move into, we give ourselves over to, to, to perversion. We rebel against the natural order. And he is willing to take that upon himself so that we don't have to live with the ramifications of that. Isn't that beautiful? That's our gospel. Um, chastisement is discipline. And, uh, and wounding or stripes, wounds or stripes is... Um, here it says, the chastisement that brought us peace. So he was dis- disciplined uh, and that brought us peace. By him being disciplined in this way, it brought us peace. And his wounds, and, and with his wounds we were healed, or by his stripes we were healed. So by the wounding in his flesh, the tearing away of his flesh, it brought healing to our flesh. Verse, uh, verse, in verse 6, we see all the weight of humanity's guilt was placed upon him. If you've ever experienced guilt, depression, shame, any of these things, think about that times humanity across history, across time. He took all of that. Imagine having to carry that weight all at once. All of that was placed upon him at once. So think about it. every demon that's whispered in your ear, demonic torment, suicidal thoughts, all that stuff, all of that times all of humanity, everything they would ever experience all hit him at once. But he did it so you wouldn't have to experience that. You wouldn't have to live with that. He was oppressed and, and he was afflicted. Oppressed is overwhelming pressure. I'm sure you guys have felt overwhelming pressure before. And he was afflicted, which means to cause pain or suffering. So he, he, was, he experienced suffering. We've all been there. Yet there was, uh, verse 9, it says, And there was no deceit in his mouth. There was no deceit in his mouth. Deceit is betrayal. So at any point, he could have said, I'm not the one that's guilty, they are, and turned it back on us. But he never did. He, in verse 10, and this is one of the hardest verses there, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Why did it please God to crush Jesus on the cross? Why would it please him? Is this child abuse? What is happening here? 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so he wasn't, it wasn't pleasing him to crush his son. He was crushing the one who became sin. He was crushing sin. He was pouring out all of his wrath on sin in that moment. So guys, like when we, when we pray for healing, this is what I go back to. I go, this is my theology. Um, did Jesus pay for it? And the answer is yes. And out of that, I now know the will of God. I don't have to go, God, if it's your will, you will not walk in faith asking <laughs> or praying that prayer. It just won't happen. Uh, you won't find people who pray like that, seeing healing um, outside of random times that God might, you know, help them out a bit. Um, but... It's, it's really important that we understand this is his will. He's paid for it. Um, that's, that's our job. Our job is to believe what he did and what his word says. So I have a, a friend named Michael Culliano. Some of you might know um, uh, Jesus' image and know Michael. So um, I was getting lunch with him one time and he said something so profound to me. I was talking to him about healing and he said, he said, Ryan, he said, I don't heal the sick because of their need. I heal the sick because he's worthy of their healing. 
this flipped the whole thing for me. At this point, I had seen so many miracles um, and healings and stuff, but I felt myself at a cap. And in the healing journey, you'll experience this. I'm not going to talk about it too much because I'm just trying to get you guys started. But in your journey, you will hit points where you're like, I'm not seeing the breakthrough I want to see. And the, Heidi Baker says the door is through the floor. That intimacy, getting on your face, humility before God is always the answer. You don't need all the why, why didn't this person get healed? What, you know, why, you know, was it not his will? Is it this or that? No, just get before the Father. God, I need more. I need more of you. I need, I need to be a pure vessel. Whatever you need to do in me so that these people get healed. Every person who sees great healing has those stories of the person who didn't get healed. And those are the stories that keep you up at night. But those stories lead us to worship, not to sit in the what ifs or why not, or was it his will, was it not. We don't do this, uh, and, and we don't do healing just because we want somebody to experience God. Like, that is definitely part of it. Like, I, want, I said, I defined healing at the beginning. Like, healing is a, is a manifestation of God's love for them. Um, that is important. The number one reason we heal the sick and we go after this is because he's worthy. He paid a really high price. Um, and so in the same way, Holy Spirit won't heal you because of your worthiness. It actually has nothing to do with whether you deserve it, how much you've sinned. If you looked at porn last night, like none of that, none of that is relevant to whether or not you're going to get healed. You're getting healed because Jesus is worthy. His, his blood was spilled. His blood is precious. And so your worthiness is irrelevant. Your actions, your whatever, it's irrelevant. And in the same way, um, in your works, your, did you fast enough? Did you pray? And like all that's irrelevant. He heals because Jesus is worthy. Jesus paid for it. Therefore, he's worthy of getting his full reward. And the same thing is, is true of the person, the person receiving prayer. It's not based on, on their worthiness. How, you know, um, people create theologies out of somebody not getting healed and things like, oh, well, God's trying to teach you a lesson and all he's given me this gift and you know, or whatever. And it's like, you don't find that in scripture. That's, it's not scriptural. They're creating theologies out of bad experience. Um, he, he doesn't heal or not heal because of what you've done or what you're going through or whatever. Um, he paid a high price that we can't neglect. And so I think about this, like if I had somebody who they are about to be out of house and home and I just been like, man, I wish I could just pay their rent and help them. They're desperate right now. And Peter comes to me and brings me a check for the exact amount they need with their name on it. And I don't give it to them. That's wrong. <laughs> and also, if I give it to them and I'm like, hey, Peter gave me this check for you. They might thank me for handing them the check, but they don't owe me anything. I didn't write the check. The money didn't come from me. So you're not the healer. I know like literally scripture says heal the sick. So we do, we do the healing, but we're co-laboring with him. He's the one like, there's nothing in us that's causing it. It's not our hands. Our hands are magical. You know, like if he's not there, it's not happening. And so he's the one healing. And likewise, we don't get any of the glory for it. And so I know people always get, you know, it's, it's easy to get puffed up in it or it's easy to feel like, well, I don't want to you know, do anything that brings me, you know, whatever. It's so like, just, just surrender it all to him and, and go and do, do this because Jesus is worthy. One of the values of our church is, is wholeness. And for wholeness, we have this phrase, Jesus is worthy of our wholeness. And so this is what our, like, the explanation is, is we pursue wholeness by prioritizing personal time with God, time with family, rest and healing of every broken place. He paid a high price for restoration of our spirits, souls, which is your mind, will, and emotions, bodies, relationships, finances, and futures. Freedom and healing are easy in his presence. So we, we, go after, we go after restoration not only in other people, but in ourselves. You all know where you're broken. You all know where you need healing. Um, it's worth going after and getting that tenacity of Jesus is worthy of this, so I'm going to go after it. Don't accept anything as normal uh, that he shed his blood for. It's, his blood is precious. I'm, I'm telling you, it's so easy to fall into that and just like, oh, I just got allergies. Oh, it's seasonal. Oh, you know, I get, I get headaches like this. Oh, whatever. Um, it's worth going after.
Okay. Are you guys good? It's making sense? Okay. I might leave you with more questions than answers, but that's good. You know Holy Spirit. Um, you can talk to him. Okay, so this is my belief framework for healing. I choose to operate out of a place that it's always his will to heal. I, you, like I said, you can't stand in true faith if you aren't sure what his will is. Now, are there times that someone, he doesn't heal? That seems to be so. Um, in my, I've prayed for, I don't know, I don't even have a number. I want to throw one out because I'll be lying. I don't know. Um, I've prayed for a lot of people over the last 12 years. There's only two times that God's told me not to pray for healing. Um, and I'll tell you those stories real quick. Um, and there was one other time that he told me why something didn't happen. And um, in that case, it was a, this is after I'd seen the dead raising and after I did several other dead raising. We had so many dead raisings at our church. This isn't Columbus, Ohio. This isn't like in another country. We had so many dead raisings in our church that Bethel in California sent a team to come investigate and interview us. Um, and then one of our own, uh, a two-year-old, drowned. And um, I won't get into the full story because I'll sit here and cry. But um, as a church, we did everything right. Everything you do to, to bring a baby back and to stand and, and contend for that, we did. And uh, I'm another friend of ours, a guy named David Hogan. He's a missionary in Mexico. He really changed our life. Their ministry seen, um, I don't even know how many now. I can't remember. Do you remember the number? 500, yeah. I, I mean, I got to go to Mexico and interview people who had been raised from the dead. Um, so all of your, like, all your skepticism and all that, like, I, you guys can have it. You can benefit from your skepticism somehow, but I, like, I don't have the opportunity to. Um, I got to, you know, not only that, we got to be in services where somebody's giving up, getting up and giving a fresh testimony of just getting raised from the dead and getting to hear that. Um, it does something to you. Uh, this stuff is real, and it's for today, and we got to grab a hold of this. Um, but in that case, I remember God, I was so frustrated, and I didn't even ask God why. It was, but it's the only time that God's given me a why. And he, he gave me a vision and said, if I would have healed him, it would have destroyed this church. Or if I would have raised him, it would have destroyed this church. And I saw, I went to this vision of news media and um, investigations and all this stuff in this coordinated attack to destroy the church. And, uh, and that was hard. That's a hard, hard thing. And so that's, that's the unknown. I'm not seeking out the why. If he gives it to me, I'll take it. Otherwise, I'm standing in. It's his will. I'm going back to the Father. Give us more. How do we, how do we go after this? Um, two other times, real quick. I was called in to pray for somebody's mom. They were dying. Uh, she's an older lady uh, in her late 70s, I believe. Um, this lady was an evangelist. She had ado- adopted all these kids, and she had and she would adopt kids and bring them into her house to to lead them to Jesus. And so she did foster care to lead kids to Jesus. And she had brought in like seventy kids or something crazy. And uh, I went in and started talking to her, and I just felt like the Lord was like, "Don't don't pray for healing." And I was like, so I started asking her questions. I was like, so. You know, why, why, what does healing look like for you? What do you want? She's like, I just want to get back out there and evangelize. And like, I got to reach more people and all this. And I just felt like the Lord's like, she's done enough. (laughs) Like let her, she wants, let her come be with me. And so I I said to her, I said, I said, I feel like the Lord's saying you've done enough. And he wants you to know, like, it's okay. And, um, sorry. Uh, not sorry, but, uh, I said that to her and she was like, kind of sighed and this peace came over her and she's like okay and I was like I was like so what do you really want she's like I want to go be with him and uh so that's why I prayed I prayed Lord she's ready come and get her and she died the next day Mm -hmm. um whew man and the other time was in a hospital in Honduras, and this one really bothered me. Um, we had an open door to go pray for people in a hospital. 
and we have a lot of favor in that area and stuff, so it wasn't uncommon to do this kind of thing. Like we, a lot of the medical professionals there let us in. And um, anyways, same same kind of situation. Go in, older kind of uh, matriarch of the family, his grandma, whole family's around. I start praying for her. I'm contending for healing the best I know how. And God stops me and says, tell them they have a week to reconcile. And then she's, she's going to come be with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hard word to give a family. That's believing for her healing. Um, and I did. And uh, I'll never forget those Hondurans going white as a sheet. Um, you know, just with like, they couldn't believe I would say that to them. And I went and just cried over that. And I was just like, God, what is that? But I realized, like, how much of a gift that actually was. It's like they were about to have a bunch of unsolved issues uh, and things that they never fixed as a family. And uh, God wasn't concerned with um, everything else in that moment. He was concerned about the health and the relationship there and and everything of their family and getting that closed up before she goes. And so um, I'd encourage you, don't give those words unless... (laughs) You have a history with God. Uh, I have a history with God enough that, and also I'm willing to clean up any mess, um, any mess I make. I'll I'll step in and deal with it and 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 fix it however I can. Um, so Jesus is perfect theology. That's what I stand in. Um, I'm not going into each situation like, are you wanting to heal this person? Or are you not? I go into it with the mindset of this person. You paid for it. I'm going after their healing. Um, now, if he doesn't. If if he speaks to me, I'll I'll change it up. That's that's another thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So we can we contend, we contend out of what his word has revealed without creating a theology around something he hasn't revealed. And you'll find a lot of people if you look up on YouTube healing, you'll find so many people with so many opinions on healing and the things you have to do and the, all the steps. Um, the thing is, I've seen, uh, I've seen some things work that I've seen some of those people do, um, but a lot of them create a framework for how to heal, how to pray, and all these things that is not necessarily found in the Bible, and it's because it worked for them once, and then they build that into a theology of this is how you do it. Um, and you have to have relationship with the Holy Spirit, because he, he will tell you to do things you know, like one, there was one time I was on the street praying for somebody and this guy was not getting healed. And I could, I was just like, this guy's, this, this guy's got to get healed. And, and I, I was like, God, what's happening? And I was getting frustrated because at this point I was seeing like just basically, basically everyone I was praying for, something was happening and nothing was happening with him. And um, I just heard the Lord say, ask him about the fight he had with his mom. And he had just come from a fight, a really bad fight with his mom. And I was like, hey, can you take a moment? Just would, would you be willing to forgive her? And He's like, sure. And I was like, can you just speak that out? Lord, I forgive my mom. And he did. And I was like, now check your back. And he was healed. And I didn't have to pray again. But God, a lot of times is like, you see this with how Jesus approaches healing. He's able to identify the exact issue that will unravel everything else. You know, um, so being able to do that with Holy Spirit is so important. That's why the, the relationship and walking and walking with him, we're doing this with him. So I'll tell, you, um, I'll tell you one story real quick and then we'll take a break and then I'll spend the rest of the time basically doing stories and giving you some final words. Isn't that cool? Um, hopefully I don't cry anymore. I'm going to stand. Okay, so this is the car accident story. Um, so, uh, there's lots of details to this, but I won't, I won't get into all of it. Essentially, I was going to a friend's birthday party, and what you, what you really need to know is I, uh, Ohio State is one of the largest campuses, I think it's second largest or first largest in the country, land-wise, and it takes like half an hour to walk from one end to the other, half an hour to 40 minutes. Um, and I locked my keys in my car, when I, was, I went to get a birthday card, I locked my keys in my car, had to leave it at the grocery store. I have to walk across campus to my house to a friend who was also, we were in a group house, and they were also going to the party. We get in there, um, 
she had a, uh, it was like an orange, like rust orange Ford hatchback from like the 1980s. And uh, first we prayed that the car would start. <laughs> and, and then it did. And I looked at her and I said, I feel like we're about to go on an adventure with Jesus. And she's like, I feel that too. And, um, and so we are, at this point, I think we're like 45 minutes late or something. I don't know. It, it had been a while because I spent a lot of time at the grocery store trying to get my keys and all that, seeing if I could get AAA and all that, and I finally gave up on it. So we're like 45 minutes to two hours. I can't remember. This was a while ago. And um, anyways, so we head off down the road. We get on the highway, and we're just talking and stuff, and we miss our exit. And then we're like, okay, well, there's another exit. We'll get off on that and come back because there's like a parallel road to the highway. And then we miss that exit. So we miss two exits. So we get off on the third exit finally. And we pull up on an accident, a car accident that just happened. Like had just happened right before we pulled up. So we're like the third car in line stopped behind this big accident. And essentially a, uh, a guy in a van was pulling through one way and a lady ran the red light. And so he was turning like this. And so she ran the red light going 45 miles an hour, hit the driver's side or front side. Um, and the crazy thing is, do you guys know what a treasure hunt is? Mm-hmm. So we had done a treasure hunt two weeks before. The guy in the car was the guy we found at like two in the morning. That was our treasure or whatever. Um, and so I, I didn't notice that at first. I, at first, I'm paying attention to her because her van's closest to us. There's pictures of this online and stuff. Um, and I look at her and she's moving and she just slumps over. And my heart just sank. Well, the week... I told you guys, I didn't know the Bible. Um, but I had read in 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul says, if, if the dead aren't raised, then this gospel isn't true. And I took that as a literal dead raising. Like I'm like, where are the dead raisings? Like, this has got to be happening. And uh, well, this gospel isn't true. And so we actually had been listening to um, the firefighter and police radio and trying to beat them. Each time we'd hear something called in, we'd try to beat them to the scene. <laughs> for the week before this and I was like I want to see the dead rays and I just like had this in my heart like this gospel isn't true unless we're seeing this happen and so um, I'm telling you tenacity and this is with this is without all the training this is with I had sin in my life still but I was I was hungry and I just I believed I believed the God that encountered me I believed the God that had transformed my life and uh, it took it took church uh, and a lot of uh, teaching and stuff to really steal a lot of that from me um and it's really easy and now that i'm i'm a little bit older i'm 32 so i'm not crazy old but i'm a little bit older now and i see young zealous you know people who are getting encountering the gospel and i'm just like i don't want to take that away from them um it's so important the things that god will do in that time and you never have to lose it i've i've had the same message peter can attest to this i've had the same message since the beginning um Nothing's changed. Our message hasn't changed. Our focus hasn't changed. We still believe the same, and we're going after it. Uh, Twelve years later, it's possible. And I've met so many older people who are like, oh, I remember when I was like that. Yeah, we did those things too. It's like you don't have to lose it. I have three kids, and I'm married with three, three small children, three, three and under, and, uh, and we're still going after it. And so people can give you all their BS reasons on why they're not doing it anymore, um, but that's all it is is BS. Uh, anyways, so that's what we've been doing. So uh, I see the slump, lay slump over my heart sinks, but I'm like, this is the moment. Like, this is going to happen. And I put it on Facebook as like, hey, pray. I took a picture. Pray for this lady. Like, she's died. Pray the uh, resurrection life. And um, I got so attacked for that. People were like, that's so disrespectful. Picture of a dead person on this stuff. Anyways, um, Soon after, ambulance, fire truck, they all come, and they start moving all the cars. And I'm like, do I get out? Like, what do I do? Um, and they get all the cars moved, and they get to ours, and our stupid 1984 <laughs> hatchback just dies. So we can't even, we can't even get moved. And the, the police officer was, like, screaming at us, get your car out of the way. And we're like, it's dead. And he's like, then push it off the road. <laughs> so we get out and push it, push it. But now we're standing there. We're just stuck at the scene of this accident. And, um, oh, it's 11. And basically, we, we just start to command life. And the paramedics get in there, and one, um, they, uh, 
they confirm her dead, they cover up with a sheet, and they start, they get the jaws of life, they start cutting her out of the car. And, um, and there wasn't an urgency, they were just like, at this point, it's like, we just gotta get her body out kind of thing. And we're just commanding life, we're like standing there like crazy people, like life, life. And, um, and then God says, command breath. And we start commanding breath, and I don't actually know, those moments feel like they're forever. I don't actually know how long it took. Um, but she starts moving under the sheet. And uh, they stop and they pull it back and they realize she's alive. And they like, one of them jumps in on top, like gets in the car on top of her and is like working on her and stuff. And they urgently get her out of that, get her to the ambulance. And once they cleared her, we were able to then go to the other guy. And he, first thing he said, he's like, I'm not even surprised to see you here. (laughs) And, And then two other friends of his that are believers actually uh, pull up as well. It was the weirdest thing. Like God put all these people around him. And uh, anyways, we pray for him. He had uh, he has some scratches and blood and stuff, but nothing bad, which is crazy for the where he got hit and everything. But he his arm was physically protruding under the skin, wasn't breaking through, but it was clear his arm was broken. And so we gathered around him and prayed. And as we were praying, they had loaded her in the ambulance and were getting ready to pull off with her. And we all of us at the same time were like, we need to pray for her again. And so we gather around the ambulance and just start commanding life again. And, uh, and then she drives off. And luckily he was able to, I kept in touch with him, and then he was able to get a hold of, of the medical records and find out what happened. They didn't record the first time she died, but then they did the second time, is they actually recorded she died for 90 seconds. Um, and then she came back again. And that, that story, one, that's like the pinnacle of, of Christianity. Like people are like, they heard that, and I started getting invited everywhere to speak, which is such a bad idea. I didn't even know the Bible. Um, <laughs> that, that whole thing like almost destroyed my life because I was like so wanted everywhere. I go, people would be like, pray for me to raise the dead. And I'm like, okay. Like, it could have been a fluke. I don't know. Um, I believe in Heidi Baker's ministry. They don't. They don't consider you a dead reason until you've seen two. Because the first one could have been just the grace of God. Um, anyways. Uh, yeah, but uh, I was overwhelmed. And I'll tell a story when we get back. But that happened the same week. That happened right after this. But it was God teaching me about his love. Because I was thinking, that this woman has no clue. We had no way to get to her. And she has no clue that God sent us there that day to preserve her life. And like, that's how good he is. And I think a lot of times, even when we're contending for healing, especially publicly contending for healing, we always think, well, this will be a great testimony. And maybe it will be. But we contend out of that place of like, God, you've got to do this because this will be such a great testimony to all these people. And I don't know that that's actually his motivation. I don't know. Maybe it is at times. Um, but he cared for that woman in a way that she had no clue. And he preserved her life. And it makes me think, how many times has he done that with us? He's preserved our life and we have no clue who was praying, who showed up, who, what he prevented, how, you know. And the other thing I'll point out with this is like, if you want to see God move and you want to be used of God, you can't get frustrated every time you're delayed. Every time something doesn't work out. You can't move into that victim frustration thing. Um, you need to just go with it and just... You know, God, if you're up to something, I'm with you. Now, that doesn't mean, like, be late to all your appointments, never keep your word. That's not what that means. But, like, you got to be open to the, the delay. And I could tell you lots of stories about delay um, where God has delayed us just... Because if you think about it, as much as we got delayed, if we weren't delayed that much, we wouldn't have been at the scene at that exact moment if I didn't get delayed 45 minutes or two hours, whatever it ended up being. I can't remember. We ended up being, like, hours late to the party. Um, luckily, she forgave us. Um, but without that delay, we wouldn't have pulled up and been the third car there. We would have missed it. We would have been there way before it ever happened. So embrace the delay and, and allow God to use you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Fire Podcast with Ryan Rhodes. Fire Movement has a mission to bring people face-to-face with the real Jesus. If you love this show and ministry, please consider subscribing leaving a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing the podcast with others on social media. Also, would you please consider one-time or monthly support to help us sustain and grow this show 
so that others can be stirred to hunger for more of the real Jesus? You can do so by going to firemovement.com support. Thank you.